What's up, pals? This is episode 114 of the Super Nail Pals podcast. I'm your host for today, Chris Sampson. I'm Andy Karaskula. I'm Stan Gadurski. And hello, hello, hello. Um, so, uh, how's everyone been? Been good. Pretty good. We skipped a week because of Memorial Day weekend, but we're all back and happy to uh, have another awesome, great episode for you today. Three of so, the boys are back in town. Ryan, come back soon, wherever you are. Uh, it's like it's like Fight Club because you're you and Ryan are probably the same person, and we never see you both at the same time. <laughs> it very yes. rare happens, but when it does, it's definitely a shadow clone. Uh, I just the thing is that I can't tell which one's Tyler Durden. I think you both are. <laughs> We're both Tyler Durden. Actually, this whole podcast <laughs> is Fight Club, and and the three of you are my alternate personalities, and it's just me like yelling into the void. But but then where's the fighting involved? Where's the Project Mayhem? The the fight happens in Stan's mind. Project uh, Mayhem is this podcast. Is okay, okay, nice. This is some. This is great meta narrative for the ongoing S and P canon. I love it. Nah, it's terrible. Let's go to the news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the news flash, news bus, pulling away from the station. Uh, so first off, uh, we have some pricing updates for Nintendo Online, which is Nintendo's flagship online service for the Switch. Um, so for now. It's, uh, it will be free until 2018. Oh, when it launches next year, it will cost 19.99. Wow! This summer, it will launch online lobbies and a smartphone app voice chat service, available in a free limited version this summer. Online play during the free period will require a Nintendo account, and free is free, which is great. But even with the the later 1999 price tag. That's still the cheapest out of all the console-based online services, which is pretty great. Um, they also announced that subscribers to the online service will be able to download uh, retro classic games, which Nintendo's calling the classic game selection. So these are all classic titles with added online functions, including Super Mario Bros. 3, Balloon Fight, and... Dr. Mario. No Super NES games. I mean, this is the first rollout of the system, so I'm sure in due time, um, Super, Super NES will, will get in there. Yeah, after the, the SNES Classic comes out, and then they discontinue it, and then when it's gone, they'll be like, yeah, now we got SNES on the Switch. Because money? Because money. Here's my question. How do you have online play with Super Mario Bros. 3? I I don't know. That's what. That's How does what that work? Who you got <laughs> one player playing as Luigi, and then you take turns watching each other play. Is it like leaderboard functionality? Like maybe it's like Twitch plays Mario, where you can you can wrestle control of Mario and Luigi from each other, or or maybe it switches between like ten or fifteen seconds intervals. <laughs> Doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> no, I don't know how it's gonna work. Um, I don't know what. What games? I, I want to know what games are going to be on it, and if they'll have all Nintendo games at one point. Doubt it. I guess we're going to have to wait for E3, which is in two weeks. Do you guys want to do like a Dream Team list of what games you would like to show up on Nintendo Online? Or I mean, uh, uh, for the, I specifically for the NES? want 
Oh, well, NES or, NES or Super NES, whichever. Hmm. That's that's gonna have to. Or you want to table it like another out? discussion? Yeah, I got another. Gonna... I got them for you. The the three. If it's if it's gonna be NES at first, and if it's only gonna be three at a time, I want my ideal month would be Top Gun, uh, Snake's <laughs> Revenge, and Friday the Thirteenth. That's a pretty good list. The Friday the Thirteenth online functionality. One person plays as Jason, just like the just like the game that's out now, but with like NES graphics. <laughs> Andy, just three games. Oh shit! Put on the spot. I need, to, I need to think about this. First three that pops into your head. Mm. Well, Super Mario, but that's that's like fucking common for everyone. Maybe Legend of Zelda. Uh, Kirby. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I want Battle Toads and Double Dragon. Uh. Castlevania and Contra. Wait, which Castlevania? Uh, the first one. That game is hard as fuck. I know. <laughs> I have still to this day never beat that game. <laughs> I uh, I just feel I I'm going through like a very nostalgic Castlevania bitch, especially because of the the animated series that's coming out Netflix somewhat soon so going back to the greats even though it's terribly hard but you know a lot like a lot of nintendo games were really hard back in the day so i mean castlevania 2 is also good but i don't know i, th- I feel like we should start off with the og and then pivot from there uh, that's just me uh anything else about nintendo online voice chat's gonna be real stupid and nobody's gonna use it that's it another thing if you're not committed to getting uh, Nintendo Online for a full year. Switch owners will be able to subscribe in smaller time increments, so three ninety nine per month or seven ninety nine for three months. So that's pretty cool. So how long is the nineteen ninety nine one? A year. A, year. What, a full year. Oh, that's actually not so bad then. No, it's like considering Xbox and PS four is like sixty bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's reasonable. Good job, Nintendo. Sort of. So. <laughs> I give you seventy five percent. You just you just pass. I mean, making us pay is like that twenty five percent, but making it cheaper than everything else. That's that's a one. Well, like I mean, the voice chat stuff is really stupid. That you need like a a phone and you got to connect to the phone in order to talk to people and but whatever. You should be able to plug in a mic into the Switch and just talk into it. Like, I don't understand why you need, like... And the Switch has a headphone jack, so... Exactly. But anyway. Anyway. Alright, so, Andy, uh, for you and me, this is pretty big news. Uh, One, Tokyo Ghoul, uh, the live-action movie adaptation, is coming out really soon. Um, And it's being released in Japan... Uh, this summer, I, th- I believe it's uh, July 28th? Yeah, so the, uh, to- yeah, Tokyo Ghoul opens in Japanese theaters on July 28th, 2017. But a couple days ago, Funimation released some very exciting news. Uh, they acquired the license to, distri- to distribute the movie in, uh, in U.S. theaters. So uh, this will be like a side simultaneous release 
so it'll be coming out in English theaters uh, with the Japanese audio and English subtitles. Um, this is going to be super exciting because uh, Tokyo Ghoul is a very, very popular anime. Um, and um, I think a, a lot of fans have been waiting for this for a long while. Uh, a full trailer of, of the movie was also released a couple days ago, and I is looking pretty good to me. I got four words for it. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, with anime, with anime adaptations in general, um, especially. I mean, okay, for one, like the U.S. the U.S. led ones. There, I mean, we, we haven't had like a stellar hit. I mean, Ghost Dragon in the Shell. Evolution, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I mean, and also uh, for Japanese adaptations, they. Um, you know, you have you have a couple really good ones, and then you have a couple really bad ones, and then you have like okay ones in between. I mean, like some of the the, the on the worst ends, like in the recent years, Attack on Titan, like the live action movies, god awful. At the same time, you also had Veroni Kenshin, which were amazing. So I have pretty good hopes after watching the trailer, but you'll you'll be able to make your judgments in theaters. So thank you, Funimation, for bringing for bringing uh, Tokyo Ghoul uh, to theaters in July. That's pretty awesome. This past Friday on June second, Funimation held a special launch live stream event about the film. So basically, they talked about the film. They had the original manga author Sui Ishida. Uh, People involved with the movie project, other special hands on hand to discuss the film uh, and answer questions. They also included a release of a never-before-seen clip of the film and details on a brand new Tokyo Ghoul program hosted at YouTube Space in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of cool things to look forward to look forward to if you're a Tokyo Ghoul fan. Keep track on Funimation social media so you know immediately when the theater release is going to happen and where to buy tickets. Don't fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) I love Tokyo Ghoul and I just just need them to not do that one thing. (laughs) Are they going to like eat people on on the the movie? I mean, that's like... The main plot point, so yeah. <laughs> I feel like for it being the main plot point, it very rarely happens. Yeah. I guess now you think of it, I mean, it, it happens like in the first couple episodes to establish an exposition. And then you find out about this coffee shop that like, I don't know, they make like... Blind like coffee. Cannibal, <laughs> cannibal coffee. Which is ironic. <laughs> Where's Ryan? She needs to be in this conversation right now. Is it like an eye zombie type situation? Is it like a wacky? No, because like <laughs> after a while, it just becomes like good ghouls versus bad ghouls. So it's eye zombie. There's no <laughs> like. I feel like there's no eating of people though. There's plenty of eating people in eye zombie. I know, Maybe. but I'm talking about in Tokyo Ghoul. It like yeah. happens a few times. But... Yeah, but like ice zombies, like the the good zombies versus the bad I zombie, zombies. She she eats a brain every episode. Yeah, I mean, but like I don't know, you you can grind up a brain into into coffee if you wanted to. I'm sure. <laughs> I guess and become become that person. 
Whatever you want. So what we're saying is Tokyo Ghoul live action. This is your chance to have some more on-screen actual cannibalism and not some cop battle of drinking blood coffee. <laughs> I don't know if that's what we're saying. I'm certainly not saying that's that. A, that's what I'm saying. Right, well. I'm saying turn this into Hannibal, four, uh, Hannibal 5. Yes! <laughs> and instead of the uh, B in Hannibal, it's just the number 5. Uh, Alright, but... In general, um, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god, that's great. Yeah, For those who can't, who can't see our Skype chat, Stan just sent a message of Hannibal with the B replaced with a 5. <laughs> Best Hannibals! <laughs> Go- <laughs> Cars, ghouls, and family. Uh, okay, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so is Vin Diesel K- Konecki, Ken, or like, <laughs> who is he? Who is Vin Diesel in this fast fan? Fast fan? I don't know how to pronounce it. It's, Michelle Rodriguez is definitely Toka. Hannibal okay. 5, Fast Hannibal, if you want to call it that, is just going to be everyone getting all the most famous Hannibals in movies together for like one big heist. Alright, alright, so wait, 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 who are the most famous Hannibals? I mean, it, you got... It's, it's you got Hannibal, Hannibal, it's iZombie, um, the hell's her name? Oh, uh, Olivia what? Moore. Okay, yeah, Olivia Moore, Tokyo Ghoul Man, Vin Diesel, Tyrese Ludacris. Um. <laughs> how, how the fuck did you just name four people as one? Dwayne Johnson, and yeah, it's, it's just like fast cars and fast food. Which is people, in this case. Anyway, moving on. And this is now also SMP canon. Oh, man. We need we need to just start our own film production company and... and uh, God, so many good ideas. Or bad ideas. Or both. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it would definitely sell, regardless of a good or bad. It's like The Room. You want to hate it, but you, you just have to watch it. So who should direct Michael Bay? I think I think I think Michael Bay because I think it's obvious Tommy Wiseau. I was I was thinking Stanley Kubrick. Maybe the Russo brothers, Ridley Scott, the Wachowskis. <laughs> Maybe all of them together. All of them together, and and of course Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Oh my God. Oh. Yes. Ah, uh, okay, moving on. Since Subtitles, Cannibalism and Cars. Cannibalism and Cars. Cannibal <laughs> fun, Cannibalism and Cars. <laughs> this just makes me think of car, what's it, Cars 3, like the Pixar movie, <laughs> but the cars are eating each other, and then the, the cars are like half flesh, half machine. <laughs> I mean, Cars 3, the trailer was really dark in the beginning. Yeah, it was very dark. 
Because, like, what was his name? Lightning McQueen. Like, he, he, like, gets into a catastrophic car accident. And then he, and then he, and he he's about into to. into a cannibal? Yeah, yeah yes. <laughs> he's put. There's he a, needs to eat other cars to, like, repair his body. Is what exactly. <laughs> and, and there's this experimental treatment to, to where he's. He gets like a transplant graft of like a a bunch of human bodies are grafted into his innards. So so he has like an actual beating heart combined with his engine and, and you know, in order to keep himself alive, he has to one, like, cannibalize other vehicles to get like motor oil to like circulate into his body so he can still like drive well. But he also needs to eat humans so because the power like the part of the engine does it has like a human heart in it and and uh, it's just and cannibalizing what they, what they also didn't consider was that <laughs> the the human parts that lightning mcqueen got implanted in him was actually hannibal lecter's oh my god genius so now lightning mcqueen talks like anthony hopkins <laughs> Lightning the cannibal. <laughs> and then he chases down Clarice. Hello, Clarice. And the car now. He starts rubbing the engine room. <laughs> oh my god. This is the worst. We need to move on. You just see Lightning McQueen Hannibal behind a glass window in prison. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's a car, he can break out! <laughs> Quid pro quo, Rev Rev. <laughs> this is so stupid! Why am I crying and laughing? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever invented. Oh, wait. So, if the Lightning McQueen is part of canon, you know what else needs to be canon? Robbie Riaz Ghost Rider, because I insert that shit everywhere. So, the final battle is a, is a, is a race slash eat off between <laughs> Ghost Rider's Hell Charger and Lightning McQueen Mechanical. Is that a race <laughs> slash eat off? <laughs> Yeah, it's like the Coney Island hot dog eating contest. Basically, basically, you'd have Rob Robbie Reyes like having like he's since he's like the the justice that like he's like represents the good the good guy like the the law. He's trying to chase down Lightning McCannibal, and so that's why he has to assemble all the other like famous cannibals and 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 fast people to like take him Wait, down. Well, Stan, you just said. Uh, a very specific word, and it triggered something in my head. You said assembled, and all I thought was cannibalism. Cannibals assembled. <laughs> They're like the Avengers. Can- can- cannibals assembled. In this in this version, I want Dwayne jo- Johnson to play uh, Ghost Rider. If we're gonna do this, oh god, yes, yes, please. Um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh my gosh! I, I want the leader or like the the MC of the of the the final race and eat off to be Jason Statham, Ugh. and and the narrator of this movie is obvious. It's gonna be uh, Morgan Freeman meets Willem Dafoe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my god! So Stan just posted an image in our chat. 
It's a couple of cars uh, on this magazine cover, and the subtitle or the tagline is Axles of Evil. (laughs) (laughs) Hannibal 6. Why why did you have that so handy? (laughs) Stan, Stan, what was the backstory of this? How'd you find this so quickly? I literally just looked up car magazines, and this was like the first thing that popped up. We 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 are we are lifting we we are commandeering that that this tagline for the inevitable sequel, Hannibal uh, the Hannibal Cinematic Universe. Yes, is what we're crafting right now. Oh God! I, mean, I guess this also goes for the car cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that synergy going. This uh, is the dark universe that they're talking about. Ah, uh, my God! SMP is definitely the root of the dark universe. <laughs> Oh god! Oh god! You know we spent the last twenty minutes talking about this, and I love it. Should we move on, or sure, is, yeah. this oh, is this the topic of the show? <laughs> this is, this kind of turned into the topic of the show. That's fine. <laughs> okay, uh, let's let's move on. So after that great tangent, let's move on to comic book pools and related news. So who wants to start? No, oh, Chris, don't you got to give us your TV minute first? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Also, how was MomoCon? <laughs> yeah, so... Okay, so I was away for, a, yeah, a week. Um, so we actually did two conventions at, at one time. Um, so there was MomoCon, which is this anime convention in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's a pretty cool-sized one. And it was... Uh, so I actually didn't go. My, my colleague Landon, uh, he went... Um, but he had a great time. There's a lot of cool cosplays, and I actually went, went to MegaCon Orlando, which is this pretty big multi-genre comic book convention in Orlando, Florida, and that was really great. It was my first time ever being in a convention in Florida. Stanley was there, and I- so much for Stanley's last con being yeah. This is like Stan- last year. This is like his fiftieth con since. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, I know later this summer he's coming to Washington D.C. for AwesomeCon. As it was also appearance. confirmed for NYCC this year. Yeah, I'm. Um, I mean, l- let's be honest. Like Stanley, he I don't think he'll ever die. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stan. Sorry, of breaking Anthony news Hopkins in the chat. <laughs> Breaking news, I found some stills from this upcoming project. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> Alright, Stan, you gotta give us the play-by-play. Play-by-play. What, what did you post just now? It's just it's just some onset footage of, of Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal with his fast cars. That's a, that's one dope-ass There's, ride. We don't, we don't have any concrete news of, of like plot, but we ha- we do have some screens that we can like <laughs> share in the show notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's gonna be crazy. There's this just this amazing dramatic shot of Anthony Hopkins just in his ride, and he's looking out the window. The windows roll down. Is he? He's just subtly flashing this dope gold wristwatch, and he's he's like staring off into the distance, like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> or <laughs> oh, vroom vroom, Clarice. <laughs> vroom vroom, Clarice. That's that was great. So MegaCon was uh, was pretty great. It was pretty awesome. Um, I actually, I mean, 
like most conventions I work at, there's not a lot of time that I can explore, um, which is unfortunate, but still had a great time. There was an amazing cosplay. Uh, this will also tie into my TV talk a uh, minute later in this in the show, but I saw some amazing Samurai Jack cosplay, especially uh, Ashi, and Ashi's awesome, and Season 5's awesome. Um, what was some other really, really great cosplays? Uh, lots of Marvel Defender stuff. Uh, I did, oh, but hands down, one of the craziest cosplays I've ever seen. There is a team, like four people, uh, a cosplay group, they're all doing the Street Sharks, and like, this is like the most legit Street Sharks cosplay ever. Like, they, they had, they molded, they were had, it was like six feet, seven feet tall, and it was, I don't know how they did it, but it looked super, super amazing, and they, they must have used some crazy, MOBA, Ava Foam technology, and it was, it looked, if there was a live action movie of, made based on the Street Sharks, they should hire these guys, cause, oh my god, that costume was, blew, blew my mind. And Street Sharks is a very, very beloved cartoon from my childhood. Even though it was a complete ripoff of Ninja Turtles, I still love Street Sharks. Um, other than that, like the, probably like the biggest, most memorable thing, from that whole entire convention trip was going to Super Saiyan, which is a Dragon Ball themed noodle bar about like four miles away from the convention center. It is dope. Uh, I know I shared some news about it like a, a long while ago on the SMP Facebook group. Um, but just being there was really cool. So they, they have all these, uh, Dragon Ball Z figurines and, uh, figures and pop figures like on on like the display case they have a lot of really cool dragon ball z uh fan art uh posted on the walls on the ceilings uh with like some of the flying nimbus motif they have like glowing clouds hanging from the ceiling uh they play dragon ball z super episodes on the tv in the corner and they have this giant giant wall in the back where they post uh fan art of uh, all this, all this awesome Dragon Ball stuff uh, submitted by customers and people who who attend there regularly. So while I was waiting for the meal, I doodled a, a, a on a post-it note a picture of the legendary Super Saiyan Broly, my main man, and I gave it to them. So now some of my artwork is on that wall and immortalized. I'm so happy that I got to go to Super Saiyan and just to and that was a, it was a complete accident. Uh, I was getting a haircut. And I was talking to the salon, the barber, and she was like, oh, hey, are you a fan of anime? And then she told me about Super Saiyan, which I completely forgot about. That was in Orlando. And I immediately went over there after getting my hair cut, and it was awesome. So uh, so, so if you're in Orlando, go to Super Saiyan. It's so much fun. You'll love it. And uh, and if you're an artist or if you want, just want to doodle, just slap on a post-it note. And give it to the guys, and you can, you too can be immortalized on the wall of Dragon Ball fan art. Awesome. For me, for me, it would be like my fan art would be like a stick figure with spiky hair. I mean, they're 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 yeah, you could literally do that. It's awesome. Stan, what would you draw if you went to Super Saiyan and could submit something? Um, hmm. <laughs> he would I... draw lightning mechanical. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I do, like, any Dragon Ball doodles, it's usually Vegeta, just because I like his, like, huge widow peak and, like, his, and his like, forehead. I like drawing that a lot. 
Nice. Probably Vegeta. Cool. Like Vegeta, like crushing like a like a handful of noodles or something. Yeah, it's over nine thousand. Crushes a ramen bowl. All right, so uh, yeah, so that was my con week. Um, and then two weeks from now, I'm gonna be going to Ohio for another convention. So the con life is real. The summer con season is already in full force. So that's yep. Well, you know uh, what that means. There's only a few more months until you're back in New York. What up? Yeah, dude. New York Comics is going to be, it's going to be lit. It's going to be a, a legit and it's going to be our ongoing S&P summit. So if you guys are going to New York Comic Con, let us know so we can all do a meetup. TV Minute now or? Chris's TV Minute. TV Minute! Woo! So, so I, I, I mentioned briefly that, uh, I was a really big fan of the Samurai Jack cosplays, uh, at Megacon. Um, this is just right, um, this is right off of, Season five premiering, I think, I think beginning of April and wrapping up about oh, like eight or nine weeks after that. I forget if it's nine episodes or ten episodes. I think it's ten. But Samurai Jack is over. Uh, it's completely done. I have so many feelings about it, oh, man. Because like Samurai Jack first came out, I think. So like, this season wrapped up the series as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. Season five <laughs> is it. And I'm so happy it it exists in the first place because I think season four wrapped I think like two two thousand five to two thousand six and the the legit last episode was the one where Jack was taking care of a baby and fighting threats and at the end of the episode the baby gets like the spear of the samurai um so like. Like all of Samurai, or like most Samurai Jack episodes, it was like a vignette, and there wasn't really a resolution. So, ten plus years later, Genny Tarkatovsky returned to the project. Well, he, he returned with a ten-episode miniseries. I can't really justify saying it's like a full season, even though it is season five, because um, I remember like each season of Samurai Jack was at least like maybe like 12, 13, 14 episodes each, maybe 15, uh, a lot longer than like the 10. But it came back this April and there's like some key differences. So one, it's one fully realized serialized story. So uh, as opposed to the individual vignettes, each episode is a part of a grander story. Um, and I thought, I, I think the serialized format worked really, really well for Samurai Jack. The main premise of it is that Samurai Jack season five takes place fifty years after the the original seasons, and Jack does not age. Um, something wrong, something weird happened. No, it was uh, definitely just the beard. Just the, well, I mean, yeah, just the. I mean, he he doesn't age, but like he still he grows this epic mane. And the first, uh, I want to say like three or four episodes, it's very much. Like Mad Max Fury Road, where Samurai, we see like a Samurai Jack that's that's v- darker. He's definitely messed up in the head. Like he ha- he's suffering from like severe PTSD, and he's mentally unhinged. Like he literally has like, uh, like an evil Jack persona, uh, like haunting him, and he's haunted by personal demons, uh, which we, we later find out why he's like so broken. 
Um, you find out that he's missing his sword, and instead he's wielding badass. He's riding on a badass post-apoc diesel plug motorcycle. He uses guns. He uses like really awesome, like like super messed up. Uh, martial weapon lane, but he doesn't have his sword anymore. So when you're thrown into this, you're like, what the fuck is happening? And like, and, and, and so the series un- unfolds, uh, where you, you just try to figure out what the hell happened to Jack, cause he's completely different. He's like, he's, he's been true to the grinder and he gives zero fucks and he's really, he's really, really broken. And it still retains all the amazing, very Samurai Jack-esque staples of, like, of, like, multiple shots and super stylized action and, like, slow motion and incredible choreography um, and, like, incredible worlds. And so that's, like, the first main out or overarching art, like, Jack's current status and his progression throughout the series or, or throughout the season to... Uh, fight through his inner demons and and the second part is this new threat aku is still very much the main antagonist but he takes like a back seat not in a bad way but you see you see uh, throughout the 50 years aku uh has gone like very complacent or not maybe not complacent very lazy because after 50 years, he's still he's still unable to kill Jack, but so he's he's just like why, why does it matter like uh, and um but at the same time he still has one over Jack because like like at uh, the at the series premise literally all the time portals are destroyed so Jack is stuck and which also leads into why he's so broken because he he has these demons and he feels like he's failed in his quest and he feels like there's no way out or no hope and Aku over here is just like yeah I don't. Like I'm, I don't care anymore. So he's just Jack, Aku's just doing his thing. So Aku's still like one of the main antagonists, but the real antagonist is this new cult called the Daughters of Aku. So basically, uh, you have these seven daughters, these seven child soldier mercenary assassins that are trained from birth to be uh, assassins uh, against Jack, and they are so badass. Um, one in particular's name is Ashi. She becomes very, very, very pivotal into the rest of the season, and the relationship becomes like the main emotional narrative core of the rest of the season. I love the series. I thought it encapsulated everything that was great about the original, but made it scale it up into a more mature design. I feel like Gendy had more flexibility and lateral movement to try out things that he always wanted to try but was limited by it being a children's cartoon in the beginning and it was a way to provide closure i i think at the ending i think it was very polarizing and controversial and i don't want to give any spoilers i want i i want to people to make up their own opinions on the matter i myself think it was very satisfying i think for who jack as a character was i think it fit his archetype and his history and his motivations very well. Other people, they're like really sad about it and they want, they're, they're doing their own hand cannons, which is okay. I mean, that's part of the, the magic of loving, being a fan of a series. Overall, I love Samurai Jack season five. I think it was a great end, 
a great way to end the series. And I, I just love the fact that Gendy has had the incredible opportunity to finish his work because he. This was like a over ten years in the uh at leave of absence, and you know we've had the comics in the meantime. But I know Gendy has stated specifically that he doesn't consider the comics canon. So now we have like his true vision of how he imagined the end of Samurai Jack to come out. And so ch- check it out. Oh my god, it's so good. I know, I think it was like two weekends ago, they, they did a full marathon of the entire season. I'm not sure yet on when like a Blu-ray or DVD is going to come out yet. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you can still watch it on Adult Swim or Cartoon Network's website. So check it out. Yeah, definitely need to check it out. I think uh, I stopped watching after episode three. Not for mm. any specific reason, but just kind of like lost track of time. And every time I was like, fuck, Samurai Jack. Yeah, I mean, I think episode three, you were Jack. I think Jack was still like super messed up in the head. I think. If I, I think I remember correctly, he was still being stalked by the daughters of Aku. Um, do you remember when was the, what was the last thing you remember? Uh, yeah, he like he like met with uh like a wolf. Oh yeah, that's such a good episode. Yeah, yeah, and then he like he has that like epic fight on like some branch with like the, one of the daughters of Aku. Some like epic shit, and then Jack like murders her. Yeah, he. Jack, yeah, Jack like straight up murders people here. It's it's messed up and amazing. Yeah, so yeah, I, I would like to get your thoughts about the show after you finish it. Uh, I, again, it's like ten episodes, so you get uh each one's like thirty minutes long. It's like a standard length. Um, so you should be able to binge it. And um, I would really love to get your opinions on the ending because like again, a lot a, a lot of it seem controversial to people i i th- uh so I, I like to get your thoughts about that i'll probably binge it and maybe maybe have a response by next week hopefully all right but we'll see awesome <clears throat> uh so yeah that's my tv minute uh so andy will you uh so you have a tv minute uh do you want to oh yeah i wanted to talk about arrow arrow season finale was last week i want to say possibly the week before i don't recall but I just wanted to give a shout out to this uh this specific um ending of the season. Um this was probably one of my most favorite season finales of a superhero show so far. Um it was just fucking awesome. There was a lot of action there was a lot of problems that needed to be solved. There was a lot of solving of these problems. It was it was just fucking awesome and amazing. Um and it wrapped up the story of like so for like the past five seasons, they've been telling the story of like Oliver's time on like this island. So his five years on this island. And it wrapped that up. And I think this season overall, out of all the DC shows on CW, this one definitely had the strongest ending. Awesome. Oh, I heard, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there was like a huge reveal for Rachel Ghoul in this finale, or am I thinking of something different? No, that's for Gotham. 
Oh, it's for Gotham. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay, so, my bad. Um, Gotham has their season finale coming up actually tomorrow from the day that we're recording. Um, and it's gonna be a two hour long, uh, season finale. And for the past few weeks, they've been like hinting at Raja Ghoul, and I'm like, I kept telling my girlfriend, it's Raja Ghoul. I don't know if they're gonna actually go through with it because CW had Raja Ghoul also. And I don't know how that works with the cinematic universe. So, um, I just kept telling her, like, Raja Ghoul is probably a thing that's gonna be coming. And then they finally revealed, uh, I think it was earlier this week, right? Maybe? I'm. It might have been, it might have been like Friday or Thursday that they, I'm pretty sure that they revealed that Raja Ghoul is officially coming to Gotham. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They're like in the process of, they keep hinting at Batman and they keep hinting at Bruce is going to become the savior of the city. Okay. And yeah, that's getting pretty intense. And Supergirl keeps hinting at Batman as well. So I don't know if CW plans on bringing in Batman 2. Mm. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. That's, it's, because cause the Gotham, the Gotham universe is separate from CW. Yeah. Ah, that's weird. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, Arrow is like, Arrow's like really Batman, but not Batman. And I just feel like they specifically created Green Arrow in Arrow to be Batman because they probably couldn't get the rights to Batman. And there's like so many of like the the rogues gallery of Batman, like especially like Rachel Ghoul, Talia Al Ghoul shows up, and then Nissa Racco was a big villain. And, and I, also I, um Deathstroke. I don't I don't I don't recall if Deathstroke Deathstroke like started out as an actual Batman villain. He's a or? Teen Titan villain. Okay, That's which where is still he started off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, like, uh, he's kind of big in the Batman universe. He is. Yeah, it's, it's... I guess it's getting to the point where it's, like, the big elephant in the rooms. Like, so when exactly is Batman showing up? Or And, like, and even if he he does show up, how are you going to handle the fact of, like, okay, so where has Batman been all this time? You know, when, you know, especially when the Arrow stuff is going on, or, or Legends of Tomorrow stuff is going on, or Supergirl stuff. I mean, Supergirl references, well, 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 the actual, well, Superman, Supergirl has Superman in the show. But Supergirl has referenced, that's where CW does a lot of their Batman references, is in Supergirl. The most recent one was, like, the episode before the season finale, um... Supergirl, it's like a minute-long conversation. They're talking about, like, Guardian. He's basically saying how he doesn't want, like, his his mask to represent fear in people. Like, he notices that a lot of people are fearing him. And then Supergirl's like, oh, my cousin works with someone who's like that. And um, Jimmy was like... Oh, isn't he more of like an enemy? And she's like, "Well, he's kind of like a friend of me." <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, that's definitely that, Batman." Like, that's pretty great. I need to, I need to catch up with Supergirl. Yeah, and it's not the first time Supergirl has referenced Batman before. 
So the whole thing is like, alright, so where is he? Why plant the hook? I mean, if it's just like a throwaway, like, reference. Just a fan service. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's alright, but like, I mean, if, if like a one-time thing, but you, if you, like you said, if it happens multiple times, it must mean something more, and they might be building up to something. So, I don't know. TV continuity, or just any, you know, just trying to build a, a cohesive continuity in general is always a tricky... For Gotham, I still think the actor is still too young-looking to be a Batman figure yet. See, I, mean, unless... I have a feeling. I have a feeling what they're gonna wind up doing is a time skip. That's what I think. That's, that makes the most sense. You guys don't like Batboy, thirteen-year-old <laughs> Batman. Uh... <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Why Why is it that Spider-Man can fight crime while in high school, but Bruce Wayne can't? Because Bruce Wayne was never Batman at, like, 15 years old. Yeah, there's, like, he's, like... Yeah, but so, but also the Riddler and the Joker and all these people weren't running around also when Bruce Wayne was in diapers, so who cares? I guess, that's true. About continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe this Batman's gonna be, like, Spidey. You know, he's 16 and fighting crime. Kicking ass. Yeah. They should just make Jim Jim Gordon Batman. That's what I thought that they should do from the start, was make Jim Gordon Batman, and then have, like, something tragic happen to Jim, where he's like, I can't do this anymore, and passes the mantle on to Bruce. I mean, you you already have, like, hooks towards that, because, uh, like, Gordon, Gordon seems to take a particular interest, and he, he takes Bruce under his wing a lot. Um, oh, that's another thing. They confirmed Harley Quinn. Oh, in Gotham? Really? Yeah, huh. for the season huh. finale. She's going to be in the season finale. And uh. apparently, um, Barbara Keen is going to be the Harley Quinn. Oh, really? Yeah, she already huh. started calling herself Barbara, Qu- Barbara Quinn, which oh. is fucking weird. That's... That, Barbecue? That's really stretching it. I. That's uh, stupid. And, uh, yeah. I think... Well, she has become, like, kind of, like, the Harley Quinn figure. Um, she's fucking crazy. But she's... She's Um, insane, yeah. And she's blonde? But that doesn't make a Harley Quinn... I thought Barbara should just be her own character. Her own rogue. Or or her own unique rogue in the Gothamverse. That's... That seems really shoehorny. To me, I don't know. I mean, so did the whole thing of Jerome being the Joker. I, but I, lo- I love Jerome, Jerome. Is fucking amazing. I, I Jerome, anything Jerome on Gotham is like little my favorite stuff. It's just he's just so so good. I, I feel like Gotham has always given me that thought of like they're gonna fuck this up, and then like they kind of fulfilled it and was. Like, in the the end result was, like, always pretty positive. I can't think of a time where it was negative, except maybe, like, 90% of season one of Gotham. But ever since, like, the ending of season one, season two, season three, like, it's all been really amazing. And they've done real justice to, like, Hugo Strange, to, um... Edward Nigma starting off as a cop and like this timid fucking forensic scientist 
I feel like they've just done a lot of justice to these characters. And even the penguin starting off as like this, this, uh, like this mom, was he like an umbrella boy? Yeah. Oh yeah. He was, he was not even like a mob, like anyone significant in the mob hierarchy. He was just like a lackey of Mooney fish Mooney. Yeah. 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 And then even to this season where they like randomly made penguin like in love with the Riddler. And I was just like, this is really weird. I don't know how I feel about this. To, like, them turning it into, like, he, like, kills Ed's girlfriend because he's, like, that in love with Edward. And then, um, Edward finds out and it causes this, like, crazy hatred tension between them. And it's just, like, fucking awesome now. Yeah. And then there was, like, this, and then, like, the penguins, like, he has, like, a change of heart. And then, but the but the Riddler still caps him anyway. That was like one of the big cliffhangers. Like, uh, Riddler takes the penguin out to a dock and shoots him in the in the, in the chest. And we we don't know if penguin survived or not. Yeah, and then Poison Ivy, like they reveal that Poison Ivy revives him and like helps him. And now it's like this whole like Riddler versus Penguin feud going on in Gotham, as well as the Court of Owls being like this huge villain yeah so like gotham always does some weird shit but they always seem to find a way to make it justice so i I say stick with it uh this barbara barbara harley quinn thing might be better than we actually imagine Mm. Well, I guess anything's better than Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad Harley, right? So <laughs> I like Suicide Squad Harley. I don't like Suicide Squad Joker. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. He's I'll bad. give you that. And the costume, I don't like. I, I'm not a fan of the costumes of Suicide Squad Harley, but that I mean that, that's all. That also extends to New Fifty Two Harley. Like I don't like the hooker booty shorts looking i don't know uh, call me like an all grumpy fan but i always love yeah i always love like the batman animated series um costume and like the the scaled up badass gritty looking versions of like arkham asylum and the, oh the, my god the, the arkham asylum ones are so nice yeah yeah that, those two are like I don't under- wait, what is the difference? In in Arkham in the Arkham game she's like dressed as a nurse and then she's dressed in like leather pants and like a corset. Like how is that any different than what she's wearing in like Suicide Squad or like in the comics right now? Well not the comics right now, but I, I get what Chris is saying, like the booty shorts, the uh the the small ass jacket, like it just Yeah, but like how is it any different? Like I'm I'm not I don't get it. Like what who cares what she wears? You can't say the Arkham costumes are fine. I mean, uh, she's wearing she's dressed as a nurse for the first one. Like that's really weird. I mean, I guess for Arkham Asylum, it kind of makes sense because most of it takes place in Arkham Asylum. And and Joker's so, like, well, he wasn't dying in the first one, but I don't know. Uh, uh, so I that, like her that, Arkham. The City. weird Jester costume I is like her Arkham- impractical. It's impractical. Like it makes more sense that she's gonna run around in like shorts and like a jacket if she's with the with the Suicide Squad or like living in New York in her book. Like I cannot fathom her dressing like that twenty four seven. I guess. Yeah. I guess it's just Chris's cosmetic 
I guess this is my personal... Yeah, you know, like, I, personal I, cosmetic preference. Yeah. Uh, me specifically, I like her Arkham City costume the most. I like her Injustice outfit. <laughs> oh, her <laughs> Injustice not. outfit is fucking nice, too. I agree. I think everyone's costume in Injustice 2 is really good. Except that weird helmet they make Superman wear. Like, what's up Yeah, that? that's... I don't, he I don't need know how it. I feel about Superman and Injustice. But yeah, that's uh, that's my uh, TV minute. Awesome. Um, so let's move on to comic book pulls and news. I actually have nothing this week also. Okay. Well, we should do the, the comic news okay. first. Uh, so this broke, I think, within the last week. Um, Edge of Venomverse is a new miniseries that's rolling out. It's an anthology miniseries that's going to... Okay, well, I'll, I'll let me backtrack. So, uh, Edge of Veniverse is launching, and it, this will conclude in August, followed by Venomverse, which will launch in September. Um, so, this is following up uh, like on a similar model of the Edge of Spider-Verse, where you just have a whole bunch of different Venoms uh, all together and causing lots of havoc in the Marvel Universe. This is going to be labeled as the biggest Venom store of all time, leading into the new series, which will bring Eddie Brock back into the forefront of the Spider-Man universe. Uh, it's not sure whether Eddie Brock is going to be a hero or a villain or something else. But Eddie Brock is going to make a huge comeback. I have all kinds of opinions about this. None of them good. Yeah, I highly like Flash Thompson as Venom. Also, I don't know if you guys read the issue where Eddie gets the Venom suit back, but it's really bad. <laughs> it's terrible. There's, like, no no sense of, like, why he should have gotten that suit back. It just They basically have to erase all the character development that Eddie Brock has had since he lost the Venom suit just to get him back. Like, he goes back to being, like, this guy who's just like, I need the Venom suit, like, no matter what. And, like, he it just completely it ruins his character, I think, just to give him the suit back for no for no reason. And also kind of erases the development that the actual symbiote makes, too. So they kind of, like, regress both characters, what, guess, uh, what, just to get the suit back to him. What did this... Happening, Venom. Oh, uh, the newest Venom. The, like the the most recent issue, I think, before one fifteen, which is coming out next week. They just like do this whole thing where it's like Eddie Brock is now part of the FBI in the special like symbiote unit, which makes no sense. And then they like it just Eddie Brock is just like I don't know. He's just like I need to get that suit back, and it just makes no sense. And then Spider Man somehow is in that issue, and then. It, it's just like a really contrived reason for them to both start hating Spider-Man again for no reason, and then he's got the suit back, and I don't know. It's really dumb. And I think Eddie Brock is like the most like wonderbred-ass symbiote host, and so making him the central character in the Venomverse thing and the hype him up so much is just like there have been better Venoms since Eddie Brock. Yeah, Flash Thompson's awesome, especially like the Venom Space Knight stuff, where he's like a basically like a intergalactic space policeman with Venom, and I I think that's a, some of the strongest Venom writing that we've seen in a long while. And, and he I, also I, becomes a guardian of the galaxy. Exactly, yeah, that too. Yeah, so I think everything that's going on in Venom right now, not that I'm really following closely, but what I have seen, it just looks like they've definitely 
just completely took took, took a step backwards from what they were doing just to give Eddie Brock the suit back. And I think doing something called the Venomverse is, is so ridiculous. It might as well be Civil War 2. And they're just doing Spider-Verse again, but it's like, oops, all Venoms. I mean, it's going to be really cool to see Laura as a symbiote. Oh, you know what else? Wait, I'm sorry. You know what else is going on with Venomverse? They're giving Deadpool a symbiote, and they and the writers or whatever have said that he's going to play a very important role in the story because Deadpool. Ah, uh, yeah. Just jumping the shark, jumping the shark. Yeah, they've been had. Yeah, and like like Stan before said, uh, and Edge of Spider Verse number one, which is coming out. Uh, June 28th, uh, X-23 slash the all-new Wolverine, she's going to get a symbiote. Listen, just give me a Carnage verse. That's all I want. Fuck Venom. Yeah, He's overhyped. Is Carnage, like, does Carnage have, like, any ongoings? Like, uh, literally the last thing I've, I saw from about was Carnage. Was Carnage versus Carnage and Deadpool? Yeah, Deadpool which was. Carnage? Yeah, which was like 2015, 2016, I think. Yeah, I don't remember. I think he had one, but I don't know if it's still going on. I don't know. He's had a few, like, series. Like, I think Superior Carnage might have been most recent. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. you're right. Carnage has also only had one person in that suit, Mr. Cletus Cassidy. That's not true. Actually, what was that Ben Riley. Ben Riley was the Carnage for, like, oh, a few issues. Oh, you're right. Actually. And not only that, but Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer had I didn't Carnage. Know what? Silver Surfer had the Carnage suit. Yeah. What? Um. Basically, after Carnage leaves Cletus, this happens during the whole Ben Riley as Spider Man um, thing in the nineties. It took over Ben Riley for a bit, and then after it left him, took over the Silver Surfer and got cosmic powers briefly. I think in the same um, Spider Man arc. Oh, that's so I think pretty that's crazy. You can look it up. But still, Cletus, Cletus Cassidy is still Carnage. Yeah, but those both those are both temporary though. Like there's never been a long user of the Carnage suit as far as I know. Besides Cletus. Yeah. Amazing Spider Man number four thirty one, if you want to look it up. It happens to both of them in that one issue? No, um it happens to, to uh what's his face first? Ben, ben Riley. Yeah. Alright. Awesome. Some some extra stuff for us to look up. Wow. I did not know that Galactus got the Venom symbiote. That is ridiculous. Oh, okay. Well, it's a cop-out. It was an illusion created by Mysterio, but that's still that's still pretty pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah, so cool. That was your that was your Carnage facts. Carnage facts. That's awesome. Uh okay, so yeah, that was it for the at least for the news part of the comic book section. Uh, while we're still on the topic of Venom, I, I really want Venom 150, not for any particular story reason, I mean, uh, just for the fact that there's a guest artist, Trad Moore, is, is, is doing artwork on Venom, and like many listeners of the podcast already know, Trad, Trad Moore is my, one of my all-time favorite comic book artists, so wherever he goes, I go, um... And Stan, I know this was on your pull list, correct? Yeah, but just out of like morbid curiosity to see also the number 150. <laughs> just, I probably won't buy it, but I definitely want to like flip through it just to see what's going on. Mm. I'm just, I'm not like, I don't like Eddie Brock. <laughs> not even as like a, like, oh, 
a love to hate him kind of thing. I just, I like nothing him. Like, he's just whatever. Oh, if I remember correctly, oh, I mean, this is something I wish where, something where I wish I lived in New York City, because uh, Trad Moore's actually doing a signing at Midtown Comics, um, and I wish I was in there in person, because I, I, I met Trad Moore once in person um, for a signing and release of his work with Justin Jordan on the legacy of Luther Strode, which is another amazing graphic novel that everyone should check out. Um, but I, I had the pleasure of meeting Trad, uh, I think it was 20, 2015. Um, so I haven't seen him that since then. I don't think, uh, I don't think I've seen him at any other comic book conventions or at least I, like in the content bit too, Trad wasn't there. I, I mean, I see him meet Justin all the time. Um, but I would love to get a signed copy of this issue by Trad, but we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll, I'll pick up 150 now and track him down at another convention. My last pull is Batman number 24, uh, which picks off or picks up in the aftermath of the button arc. Uh, so quote, Gotham city is at peace, but a war is coming armed with the terrifying knowledge gained from the mysterious button. Batman prepares for the coming storm by making a proposition to, one of his enemies, one that will, one that will change everything for the Dark Knight and his allies. Um, so the cover looks pretty sweet too. Um, it's uh, Batman and Catwoman. Uh, so I don't know if I don't I don't think she would be the enemy that he would go to, but maybe this could be some romantic subplot between the, those two. And Batman and Catwoman are one of my favorite couples in comics of all time. So I would love to. I'm I'm really excited for this issue. Stan, how about you? We got a drop watch alert. Um, I'm dropping Superman and X Men Blue. Wait, dropping Superman? I thought. I mean, you yeah, you were but... you were like the harbinger and flag bearer of Superman for like the past year. Well, here's the thing: nothing lasts forever. Superman is an amazing book, and it has been amazing for the past twenty some odd issues. It's just a matter of well, one, this current arc is not really doing it for me right now. It's also time and money kind of thing. I gotta, you know, I want to rotate the comics that I'm reading, and so I sometimes that means dropping things that I I like to read other other stuff. X Men Blue, same thing. I, I like it. It's just I can't no, I can no longer justify paying eight dollars a month to pick up two copies of it if they're going to continue the bi monthly thing. Like I just can't feasibly do that. Comics are expensive. I, I agree with you. Um. Sometimes you just need to drop a book. Yeah, that doesn't mean I won't come back to Superman. I mean, how many how many times have you dropped uh, Batgirl? Like fifteen. I don't know. <laughs> it's currently dropped for me, also. Like I, I'm not following Batgirl right now. I feel like every few months it's like, yeah, I'm dropping Batgirl. Oh, I'm picking a Batgirl. Yeah, Batgirl's Batgirl's no longer a thing where I I feel like I need to sequentially collect them. I just pop in when the storyline seems cool, like this. The Dick August, arc? I think. This August, Bad Girls crossing over with Nightwing, and they're, they're doing Can't a storyline there. So I'm gonna definitely come, jump back into Bad Girl when that happens. But yeah, but yeah. So my actual pulls, things I'm gonna pick up: Darth Vader number one. Yeah, if you've been following this podcast from the beginning, you would you would have realized that at some point earlier, maybe a year or two ago, we were very excited about Darth Vader number one, and we collected Darth Vader for a while. Well, guess what? 
This is how comic books works, kids. There's <laughs> another number one of Darth Vader coming out next week. I'll read the synopsis real quick. Having lost everything that was once dear to him, the former chosen one must take his first steps into a darker world as Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. Join Vader as he learns a new way, the way of Darth Sidious and his newly formed empire, the way of the dark side. So, Darth Vader Volume 1 basically was happening alongside the Star Wars book as it was happening. So it, it took place between A New Hope and Empire, and it ended with Vader basically becoming in command of the Star Destroyer that he is in command of in Empire. This one takes place presumably right after Revenge of the Sith, so it's like a prequel. It happens between Episode 3 and Episode 4. I don't know if I'm going to follow it. I'm a little annoyed that they decided to cancel it and bring it back. I don't know why this couldn't have been Darth Vader issue 25 or whatever, 35, wherever they got up to, and just do a whole new arc where it's like, now we're bringing it back to show you his origin. I don't, I don't know. They're doing it because it makes money to have another number one out, especially with, you know, I'll probably Star Wars I'll probably pick up Vader 1 just to check it out. Yeah, that's what I'm doing, especially because it's written by Charles Sewell, who, who if you don't know, wrote Red Lanterns. And some other stuff. And does ben a bunch Stan of was a big follower of the Red Lanterns for a yeah, while. He also, too. I think he also wrote the Lando miniseries and a couple other Star Wars stuff. So not his not his first Star Wars book, but he's a really good writer. So I'll probably check it out. I'll definitely give that a read. Yeah, the other thing that I'm going to pick up, which I didn't know existed until a couple weeks ago, but it's Street Fighter versus Darkstalkers number two. It just it it is what it sounds like. It's the Street Fighter characters crossing over with the Darkstalkers characters in a comic book, and I I wasn't gonna pick it up. I picked it up number one a few weeks ago. Just like this is weird, and I flipped through it, and there's like this scene in the beginning of the book where Chun Li is fighting like monsters in the forest on some weird planet that has two moons or whatever, and it looks like she's gonna like get it ambushed, but then all you see is like a a dialogue bubble off panel, and it and you know what the dialogue, dialogue bubble says? Shoryuken! No, it says Tiger! And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Sagat shows up and he teams up with Chun-Li and Ken and they fight like zombie monsters in the woods. And that's the first issue. I'm looking at the synopsis for number two. Like one, the cover looks amazing. It's Ken and he's being like eaten alive by these zombie creatures and it, it goes as quote Chun-Li and Ken are trapped in a dark dimension full of ghosts or ghouls demons and monstrosities and things only go from bad to worse with the arrival of Lord Raptor the heavy metal god of the undead so holy shit this sounds awesome I love I love Darkstalkers so this yeah, it's really good Chris actually it's there it's they work in all the like special moves of the characters and they actually like shout them in the comic book as like dialogue. <laughs> it's embracing the camp. I like it. I okay, I, I need this. I'm adding it to the pool. It's really good. Cool. Alright, so I think so lastly, adding to my TV talk, I'm gonna add some movie talk. So Wonder Woman uh directed by Patty Jenkins and starring Gal Gadot, um Chris Pine uh robin wright uh it came out this past thursday i watched it on opening night and this is my non-spoiler review of it this is the best movie best dc extended universe movie that's ever come out 
we've been very precarious of the performance of the DC movies, and Man of Steel was was decent, but I mean, it had a lot of its problems. And while I did enjoy Batman versus Superman in the in the fact that you know it was the first time like the the DC Holy Trinity was on screen together, and it. It actually brought to life like some really cool scenes from Dark Knight Returns, which is what, which is one of my favorite Batman books and stories of all time. There, it it also was really problematic, but with Wonder Woman, it 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 was so wonderfully written and shot. It provided a a solution to the super dark grittiness that has been plaguing the DC movies. Cause like ever since like Batman or Nolan's Batman, basically the entire movie industry got like the wrong message of, you know, Oh, everything needs to be dark and gritty and, and, and sad. And, and the reason why it worked for Nolan is cause it fit the source material of Batman, but Superman should not, have like <laughs> super dark muted tones and he shouldn't and and, and Jonathan, Jonathan Kent shouldn't be telling his son like you, don't save people that's bad <laughs> yeah that's yeah I like briefly rewatched some of the beginning of Man of Steel because it was on TV and Kirstie and I were watching it and I wanted to see if she can guess what the hell the movie was from the beginning because <laughs> there was no like clue of what, what the fuck was going on and there's like the scene of him and like locking himself in the hallway of the classroom and like hearing weird noises and he was just like what the hell is this and there's like this like scene from like present day where Clark Kent is just like floating in the ocean and there's like whales around him oh like, he looks man? like Wolverine <laughs> yeah it's like is that whale Who, what is this movie is this whale man <laughs> it's Aquaman <laughs> yeah it's just it's dumb and like the whole scene with Jonathan Kent is like where I turn movie off because I just couldn't stand him being like, you know, Clark, you should just really protect yourself and like fuck everyone else. And, and this world we're, does not deserve We're libertarians you. on this farm. <laughs> and it's like, no, don't don't save me even though you can move fast enough so no one can see what happened. Just no. And uh, it's so stupid. And he's like, I could save you, but then he like walks into the tornado or whatever and he's like, no, don't save me. And he's like, blown away or some shit. I liked it when I first saw it, but like going back to it's real hard, real difficult. Uh, anyway, going back, so Wonder Woman it solves that by actually being fun, Le- like leveling out like the the epic drama the dramatus with really well written and crafted and per- and performed. Like Gal Gadot is like she's amazing in this movie. Um, she it bounces up with genuine moments of comedy and a lot of this comedy spans from wonder woman or diana leaving the mascara and entering man's world for the first time so uh so you know she she doesn't know anything about human society outside of the amazons so you have these wonderful moments of of like pure glee and humor and joy where she's like interacting with things she's never seen or heard of or experienced so before. So basically it's basically Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah, I now that you mention it, it's a lot like that. Like it's so it's so endearing. And with Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, she's a very nuanced and complex character. I mean, 
I think we've been seeing a lot of strong female protagonists in Lamuda, which is great. Like Furiosa, uh, we're gonna get a Captain Captain Marvel in a couple of years. Uh, but what really struck me about Wonder Woman, like, yes, you have like the strong female protagonists, but you also present women in like very deep, nuanced ways. That I don't think I've seen it so prominently. Like it, 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 it like explores like many facets. So you have like Gadot. Who is one is like she's a badass warrior Amazon princess, but she's also a character who's very informed by her idealism, uh, which plays perfectly like plays perfect into uh, the movie, whose main conflict is like the nature of man, like is man like a destructive force of being just by nature or through through nurture and this and this is wrapped this dialogue's wrapped up into uh the setting of the story which is in the final months of the war of the the great war at the time the first world war and then you have like other characters who are strong but like they're but they're also like their main def- defining attributes like being like maternal uh or another one is characters who just buckle like the social trend like uh one of the psychic characters the supporting characters uh oh god what was her name um uh etta candy who's chris pines or steve trevor's secretary she was one of the best characters and uh i i love i loved her i think a similar i think even better than thor i think it synthesize like the fantastical mythological elements into a real world setting very very well very seamlessly um oh and holy shit the the action scenes like like the choreography and the action scenes are like spellbinding um oh like this is this is one scene where uh you saw parts of the trailer where wonder woman uh crosses no man's land and she leads a charge and like the entire choreography and and shot uh is like one of the greatest things i've ever seen in recent memory and it's um like oh it's so good so i don't want to spoil any uh, give any spoilers because this recently came out like th- uh three or four days be- uh as of recording this but please go watch wonder woman gakudo is amazing in it. Chris Pine's amazing. Patty Jenkins is the director. She she's very on point. Uh, her and Gal Gadot are confirmed, or or at least officially, they're contracted for a sequel. And one One Woman Two is all but guaranteed, especially because it, it 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 it's been getting lots of rave reviews. It's been doing really really well at the box office. Um, so please check out One Woman. Uh. Saturday was actually one uh, international or Wonder Woman Day. I think it was celebrating her seventy fifth anniversary, if I remember correctly. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but this movie was a fresh breath of fresh air, especially because it's like the first major f- female superhero movie that's a huge blockbuster uh, special. Uh, blockbuster success, and is Wonder Woman one of the most iconic female superheroes of all time, and it just just go out and watch it. It's very good. I'm gonna see it tonight. Can't wait. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. I'm actually probably gonna see it tonight or tomorrow. Can't wait. I'm super excited. How does it compare to the first Captain America? Real quick, because uh, it kind of had like him in World War 
to. Yeah, I, I, it's been a, quite a long time since I've seen the first Captain America movie. I, you know, thinking about it, I feel like there there are similar plot beats, um, especially in the third act. But I feel like Captain America embraced like the more pulpy camp um incarnations of its care of its character because uh, like captain america and wonder woman especially like, well wonder woman similar to cap america uh at its incarnation it was very much a a, a comic book as a piece of propaganda literature because uh, at the time in the well during the golden age of the comics uh wonder woman fought tons of nazis and there was lots of pro or uh lots of pro allies uh propagandist like storylines and like things snuck in but i feel like with this arcane incarnation one woman stepped away from that patriotic propagandist world war one uh support the war kind of feel in terms of a mix of uh, like it's a more uh cohesive uh reimagining like or is or it's more clean it's it's like because um it takes a lot of influence of the the the, the golden age comics uh in terms of the war stuff but without like the complicated like the shoehorning of the patriotism into her character because she's she's not american but in, like the original yeah in the original golden age comics like literally the reason why she like wears like the red white and blue armor and goes to america with Steve Trevor to fight Nazis uh, uh, is that um, there was like a vision that she was given from like some mountain and she was told to go with Steve Trevor to fight alongside him and fight for America because America was quote like the last bastion of like democracy and it's like oh okay that's really heavy handed but here um, it focuses more on how like it's like it's like a a a review of world politics society from an outsider standpoint where the the outsider is being an amazon society so yeah that was a long-winded saying it's similar in some respects to captain america but it isn't um but still there's still like a you'd still see like genetic similarities but it's still a very very good movie and i just go out and watch it my fear no, was that it was going to be like too much like the Captain America movie, so I'm glad it's not. It's it's not. It's very much its own character. So, uh, so I think that's it for the show. So, um, so if you see Wonder Woman uh, this weekend, uh, let us know how you feel about it. You can tweet at us. Uh, you, uh, you can tweet at uh, at Super Nerd Pals, or you can tweet us individually. So, um, I'm Chris Sampson, so you can find me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O, Ninja for Hire. I'm Andy Carasquillo, you can find me on Twitter at Sweet Justice one I'm Stan Gadurski, you can find me on Twitter at Stan Doom. And you can talk about everything that you heard from in this episode also on our Facebook group. So, Stan? Facebook.com slash group slash SuperNerdPals. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any other podcast player of your choice. If you like what you heard this uh, this week, uh, uh, give us a like. Uh, leave a reading on iTunes. Um, uh, it's re- uh, it's really helpful uh, to get our uh, self exposed to the greater uh, 
audience, uh, greater audio sphere. Uh, you gotta, you gotta take advantage of the iTunes algorithm. So leave us a positive rating, uh, and sharing is the best way to, sh- uh, to spread the podcast. So share an episode with a friend or an enemy or a frenemy. Just share with anyone who think you would enjoy all this nerdy stuff, whether it's Wonder Woman or Venom or, uh, uh, Cannibalism, cars, can, can, movie. Yeah, just just a weird, a weird, really weird headcanon. If you love all that stuff, share it, and you know maybe they'll get a laugh, or maybe they'll be informed about something they didn't know about. If you um, have a topic you want us to go tangent on, you can uh, email us at pals at supernerdpals dot com. Uh, stay tuned to next week. Next week, hopefully, we'll have. Maybe some follow-up reviews on Samurai Jack Season 5. Hopefully everyone will have watched Wonder Woman, so maybe you can get our thoughts about that. And we're going to do some pre E3 Yeah, some E3 probably. predictions. That's right. E3 is upon us, so lots of exciting stuff. Till then, thank you for listening, and peace out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.